I think I'm just going to stop recommending books to people. Full stop. Like total? Like romance novels or everything? Books, movies, TV shows. <sighs> okay, so I tried that again and I was like, this is a popular podcast. Probably my friends will like it. Mm-hmm. And no, they didn't. And they th- thought I was lame for liking it. <laughs> I love how like the story, the, the, the version is, is like not only do they not like it, but they look less on you as a person. Yeah, they do. (laughs) Like, for some reason, people think, oh, Wendy, she's so smart and classy. And then I give them something that I like. And then they're like, what is this trailer trash shit? (laughs) (laughs) The problem is that I get really excited about things. And the people are like, I want to share in that excitement. And then I'm like, you don't, but I am excited. So I can't stop myself. So we will do it. I was really into Outlander the TV show in that first like break before any kind of like terrible raping Mm. had happened Mm. and I asked my friend and you know I should have connected the dots because she hangs out with her boyfriend a lot and he came over and I was like hmm this is this is basically lady porn (laughs) so (laughs) this is gonna get awkward and then it was like the spanking scene like oh my god Like, when every time you've ever watched a movie with a sex scene, like, with your parents, you're just, like, trying not to make eye contact with anybody in the room. It's, like, worse than that, because I recommended this show. Oh, I'm just never going to do it again. See, that's the difference between, like, me and you, is I recommend books, and people don't like them, and I think less of them, Wendy. <laughs> the Analana's Podcast. Wendy Analana's Podcast. Get literary, get literary, Hello and welcome to Getting Lit, Alana and Wendy's totally excellent literary podcast. This is Series 1, Season 2, Episode 2 of our vaguely romance novel two-person book club. My name is Alana and I'm one of your hosts today. And I'm Wendy, your other host. Today we are discussing The Surrender of Miss Fairborn by Madeline Hunter. How are you today, Wendy? I'm pretty good. You? I am very good. I spent a bunch of time in my kitchen messing around with bitters. I just looked down at my foot and it's covered in bitters. <laughs> <laughs> like some sort of like strange birthmark. Um, I flung around a lot of bitters this morning. Um, wow. Yeah. You're like Picasso with those bitters. I know. Well, it's because I had a spray bottle and I hadn't really put together that like when I practiced, I was like spraying across the room. Mm. Yeah. So my house is covered in bitters. My husband isn't home. So your house is bitter. My house is full of bitterness. Bitterness. That's uh, great. Yeah. 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 The cocktail for this, for this book. Uh, so art features quite prominently in it. So I decided I was going to make uh, an egg white cocktail. Egg white uh, doesn't really change the taste of something, but it does give a kind of white, whiteness on top, like a, like a espresso drink and you can put things on it. So I ended up kind of artfully putting some bitters on top. Um, <laughs> I did try and make a stencil, uh, which is something I saw on the internet. Um, so if you can get a stencil to work, more power to you. I tried three different drinks to do it, but I couldn't. Um, my <laughs> my husband made it made a stencil for me. It said "dump him" on it. You know, I thought you could serve it to people um, to kind of encourage them to break up with their their bad fictional boyfriends. Um, uh, <laughs> Yeah, but I... Or real bad boyfriends. Yeah, yeah. But thanks again to my husband, Matthew, for, for stenciling that. Long-time listener, first-time stenciler. 
Um, (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that's, that's like something that you should give it. It should be like a breakup kit, alcohol, a stencil to put on your alcohol so that when you like, when you have those moments of like, yeah, girl, it really hurts to break up. And yeah, like he said some mean things and she's like, but I still love him. And then you're like, yeah, mm-hmm, that's great. Cause you know, you can't say anything. Let me, let me just serve this, this artisanal beverage to you. Oh, what? It says dump him on it. <laughs> Weird. Weird. I mean, I'm sure that he has some good points. I'm yeah, sure. I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure. Anyway, it's got grapefruit juice, dry gin, lemon juice, simple syrup, um, and egg in it. Um, and then you add the bitters on top. Me and Wendy tried to make an egg white cocktail last time she was here. And it basically, like, a pot, like, slammed into my face when I tried to shake it. Like, all this egg white. And it was really (laughs) gross. And apparently, like, I hadn't really thought about it, but I have a really crappy cocktail shaker, Wendy. And I needed a better (laughs) cocktail shaker. I had to, like, screw that down. Because when you do that, the egg expands. And then it becomes really hard to keep it together. So... (laughs) I had that same... So it wasn't our fault yeah, that we basically it was, it wasn't tasted, just, like, phlegm. Yeah, well, you're also <laughs> supposed to strain it, and you're also not supposed to shake it with the ice, uh, which oh, were all things okay. I learned uh, afterwards, and so I made a much more delightful <laughs> version of it. So if you're ever making an egg white cocktail, don't shake it with the ice, and uh, strain it. Definitely strain it beforehand, because otherwise <laughs> you get, like, this, gro- this gross gloop in it. And we both looked at each other, and we're like, we're not drinking that. Like, <laughs> oh, God, it was- it was so, so gross. Yeah, it was wrong on so many <laughs> levels. Anyway, so I call this concoction the 20% commission. Because uh-huh. mm-hmm. that is, one, it sounds like it should be from the 20s. And two, well, probably because it has the word 20s in it. And then it's kind of fancy. And it came out kind of a nice kind of pinkish color because of the grapefruit juice. And I am drinking all the mess ups in between right now. <laughs> as well as eating a, a small container of... of uh, of mac of french macarons so i'm just living life i'm just living my best life you are living life that's great what are you drinking wendy i'm having gin and ginger ale Mm, i love that that's my go-to lazy like like just put it together it's i think the technical term is a dark and stormy no a dark and stormy would be rum (laughs) it's not very dark yeah (laughs) not not dark not stormy it's like a clear day yes as opposed to dark and stormy people. <laughs> I must say that you have the best segues. The best. Am I employee of the month for my segues this, this month? This month, yeah. I mean, I pretty much earned it last month. Yeah, you, defi- you definitely did. Possibly so employee cars. of the year. Yeah. But of the month, I'll, I'll give you that. Okay. With your pun. <laughs> Um, so the rant of this month is, so one of our mutual friends who also went to camp with us. I know, um, summer Way camps. back in the day. Yeah. Rainbow. Yeah. We <laughs> well, call her Rainbow still. Yeah. We, yeah, we're just going to use camp names here from now on, I guess. Her name is not actually Rainbow Listener. It's just so that year. Yeah. She, she posted earlier, like a month back, maybe. On Facebook, like, ugh, I'm so tired of reading books about these whiny guys. Like, is there any book out there that's about not an asshole? And I was like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you got yourself a 
found them there. Yeah, yeah. Like, you get ready to be like, uh, and then... Well, there's lots of... No. 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 There isn't. <laughs> yeah, um, so I know that she likes to read um, Paranormal a lot, or like, you know, YA Paranormal, which is like, dial up the angst a bit, you know. Paranormal in itself, like, most of the time, these are whiny bastards, like, all the time. Like, you're gonna get angst, and with the angst comes asshole. And the more the angst, the more the asshole, because you can't, when you're so wrapped up in your own, like, venge scheme or whatever, you can't think of other people. So it's like, you're like, oh, God, I hate life. Oh, yeah, sure, I'll open the door for you. Like, that doesn't happen. It's almost linear. Like, it's a scale that you can scrub back and forward. And 10 is the angstiest. And 0 is the nicest. And once you scrub towards um, angsty, you get more vampires, more angsty dukes, more um, YA angsty guys... You know, you you move more towards like the Mr. Darcy's. Mm-hmm. Also, like the I just want I just want to be with you, like types of romance novels. And let's be real, yeah. like most of the most of the conflict in romance novels is things that would keep the two people from getting together, even though they really like each other. And one of those things is usually that the guy is an asshole. Yeah, like like social hangups or emotional hangups is a huge thing and i will admit i have a moment where i like that part Mm -hmm. but there is like there's a point it's all down to preference really because i know some people's preference is like way higher than mine like kerrigan byrne writes these victorian novels that are just a hundred percent angsty and a hundred percent crazy sauce like these guys are like running around like killing people all the time and they like have no feelings and they don't touch anybody and they also like make weird arrangements and have crazy sex some places they sleep in closets they (laughs) like don't have arms they like you know became a duke accidentally and they're like super sad that they missed all their family you know they grew up in a prison like it's just crazy sauce like and if that's your thing okay go for it but it's not my thing like i'm like i i had a bad upbringing so but nobody like assaulted me so i'm just kind of like emotionally distant like that's my thing like that's that's what you like to read about right like yeah like emotionally distant is fine, but like being sexually abused as a child, I'm I'm not going there. I'm just not going there. Yeah, because I think in many ways, romance novels are supposed to be fluffy, mm-hmm. but like it's hard to read something that's too much fluff. That's just about two people who like each other who go on a lot of dates. Like that would just be really boring. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like it's just let's go on another date somewhere. Oh, we love each other. Oh, we yeah. you know, like we we almost didn't get into the movie theater to see the movie, but then we did. <laughs> the end. Yeah. Yeah. Um and you know, like communication, if they're like good at communication, like that that kills like all sitcoms, <laughs> all romantic tropes, like, oh, you love me? Oh yeah, I love you too. Oh, okay. <laughs> the end. Yeah. <laughs> I mean it's also like, let's be real, like romance heroes are like not real people. Like they don't make sense as humans. They're plot tropes. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, they're, they're just, like, walking, talking, like, bags of money attached to, like, 
you know, rock abs. hard abs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm really glad we both were like, what else do you need? Abs. You need abs. Abs. Abs and money. Abs and money. And, and angst. <laughs> and angst. Well, like some sort of angst. Cause that's why like, cause immediately as women, we don't believe that like a man with rock hard abs and money will just like date like anyone. So we need to give him some hangups. Mm-hmm. Because we have to fix him, right? Like, like a lot of these have like, uh, you know, that they show up and they fix this guy as well. Cause, with cause, love, with love, with their amazing love, and so then you know, you they they they're assholes, and maybe that's like really hard for some people to read. But man, it's it's hard in romance to not have uh, people with who are just assholes. Even like I have moments where I'm like, dude, do you have any good qualities? Are you just an asshole? Like, you really just don't care at all. <laughs> but, like, on the other side of the spectrum, see, see there's, there's when it gets, like, difficult. is because I could recommend you books where they are nice guys. But usually, the, the farther you go down that, you know, that scale, 0 to 10, the farther you go down that scale, the more likely you're going to get really saccharine sweet Regency romance novels, mm. like just like possibly from a couple of years ago, like maybe they don't even have sex. You know, it's like <laughs> Mary Beloge is a good one. Linz- Lindsay Sands, Julie Garwood, those are those are good ones where these guys are just like just nice dudes. <laughs> Another one is um, not Liz Carl, Lisa Kleypas. Yeah, mm. or however you say her name. Yeah. Um, she's still really popular. But <laughs> I'm, I'm Wendy, it, I think it's Clippaz. Clippaz. <laughs> I have no idea how to say it. It's, it's, it's <laughs> Clippaz. Clippaz. It's actually Anderson. But like all her dudes are like, Oh, yeah, you're weird. Okay. Okay. Oh, you have like an issue? All right. Let's hang out. Let's just let's just chill. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And like Julie Garwoods is like always like I'm going to take care of you, you know? Like you need help and I'm going to take care of you. And then Lindsay Sands is like all of her Highlander novels are like these like rough dudes who are just like I like that girl. And she's kind of weird, but whatever. (laughs) Um, I'm just going to fix things around her because she's kind of weird. And I just really like her. So it's like the farther you go down there, but also like the farther you go down on the line, the more likely you're you're going to run into like no conflict at all. Like there's going to be jolly sidekicks. There's going to be klutzy girls <laughs> with with miscommunication shenanigans we think they're not pretty but they really are yeah mm-hmm. and also there's stuff like accidentally like setting a fire a curtain or bringing a horse into the the living room because he's sick and he's like farting all over the place or like accidentally giving him something that will make his digestive go weird and then accidentally eating it you know yourself like those kind of like shenanigans happen a lot and so it's like you have to ask yourself which one am I going to believe the most you know like what what level of asshole am I comfortable with (laughs) (laughs) 
Because it's hard to like watch them go like, I'm just going to take care of you and do whatever you want. And then you can just hang out. I feel like that's the man. That's the man version of the manic pixie dream girl is the rich rock hard abs dude who just wants to take care of you. Right. Mm -hmm. Like in whatever way it is, like just fixes stuff. Yeah. Whatever it is. Yeah. I'll just, I'll just fix it. Whatever your problem is, I'll get it done quietly, you know, and then you can hang out with me and then you can like freak out a little bit because you're a neurotic, klutzy girl. And I'll just, I'll just like hang out while you're freaking out, you know? (laughs) Also, the thing about abs, I always think is funny because also it's incredibly difficult for anyone to have abs. Uh And yet there are so many abs. (laughs) On every single cover of a romance novel, <laughs> you basically have to have like 0.5% body fat or something to have abs and nobody has them and yet they're all over. And I feel like people are like, oh, Wendy, look at you with your torso on your, <laughs> on your cover. And I'm like, I don't fucking care about abs. Abs are not like a thing that I'm interested in, but it's like a, it's a visual cue. Yeah. It's a visual know? cue that this is a romance novel. Like yeah. this is going to be a romance novel. And the more abs, usually the angstier the character, don't you think? Yeah, I would say so. Especially, like, if they're a torso. Like, it's not even their head. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's black and white. Yeah. Oh, And it's, like, yeah. a close-up somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. That's angsty. That's, right that's going to be really angsty. Yeah. All right. Well, do you want to move on to the book? Should we do the book? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well... <laughs> So we- this is another reason why I should never recommend books. What? Oh <laughs> no! Okay, so what happened? What we talked about before is that this is one of Wendy's favorite romance novels, and we saw it when we were at the the romance novel. And I and I did not like this as much as Wendy liked this. But I will say <laughs> that up until. Up until they went to Kent, I really liked this romance novel. I hated the Kent River smuggling like plotline. I wish they oh, had just you did? I I wish they had just kept on smuggling paintings um and having parties because I enjoyed that much more. Um hmm. but yeah, so that's like so like that took up like a significant amount of the book later on. And, like, the mm-hmm. whole time I'm like, just, listen, we all know that Robert is alive. Spoiler alert. Robert is alive, her <laughs> brother, who they're looking for. But we don't know exactly how. Mm-hmm. And we don't need to reconcile the fact that, like, basically her father has been lying to her, like, to his face. Like, knew that he was going across the ocean to a smuggler's den. Knew the whole yeah. time exactly where Robert was. And you couldn't tell your daughter at any point, like, for years. I, I don't know. I had a problem with that in general. <laughs> so we should probably... Anyway, but I still thought that this is one of the better written romance novels I have ever Yeah. Read. This is one of those times where I get really excited about things, and then I have no concept of, like, what other people think. So when people tell me about, like, 
oh, romances, they suck so much and they, you know, they're poorly written and they're so, like, out of touch with the world. Like, this is the kind of novel that I, like, hold up and I'm like, no, they're not. Like, Mm -hmm. this is well written. It's, like, in its time period. They know shit, like, for some reason about Napoleonic Wars, you know? Like, it seems kind of relevant. Um, And it's... I think it's well written because it's like pretty fleshed out characters, you know, and, and I can't really tell if my, (laughs) if my argument is just because I really like it (laughs) (laughs) because also it happens to fit in the genre that I love the most, (laughs) which is spinster forthright female who's just doing shit. Like, she's doing shit to survive, and she's just gotta do it. And she's so honest, and she's so upfront, and she's just fucking doing it, you know? And I'm like, fuck, yes. At this point, I'd like to apologize to Wendy's mom for all the swearing. (laughs) (laughs) I can't help it, I'm Uh, excited. uh, Yeah, she's just doing shit. She's doing shit that she wants to do because she's good at things. So, okay. So the premise of this novel is that Miss Fairborn is the daughter of a of an auction house owner named Mr. Fairborn, who um, the auction house is called Fairborns. And they sell art um, and, and her brother is missing. Um, he's presumed dead. And he's the heir to the, the auction house you know, money. And so she, so her father dies under mysterious circumstances. So she has to take over the auction house and everybody's like really um, worried because they all think that her brother, who is the heir, Robert is dead. And she's like, no, he's not dead. I'm just going to hold it until he like shows back up. And then she gets sucked into this like smuggling conspiracy and also the the biggest issue is that she finds out her father had a secret partner and the partner is this um very smooth this uh, very smooth rich earl. Yeah, with rock mm-hmm. hard abs. With rock hard abs, yes. He's very <laughs> attractive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's annoyingly attracted to him. She's always talking about how she's like, I hate that I'm attracted to him. <laughs> well, anyway, but she's so she's she's kind of like a spinster character, which I think is where you're going. And yes, but she's also she's very capable in her own way. And one of the things that is kind of nice about this is uh, the main uh, love interest. Um, I'm trying to remember his name. Southwaite? Southwaite. Or Darius? Yes. <laughs> or Dar- Darius Southwaite, Southwaite which is quite a romance novel character. Um, yes. Uh, he is always trying to best her, um, and she always kind of get, <sighs> it gets the better of him, to the point in which, mm-hmm. at some point, she just he just has to, like, pick her up and carry her <laughs> to make her do stuff. Um, I love the beginning, because he's, like, he's he wants to sell the auction house, and so he keeps on, like, going, I'm gonna go in, her, in there and tell her what's what, and then I'm gonna sell it, and that'll be the lesson. And then he goes in and he's like distracted by her wily ways. Mm-hmm. And um, she, cause she is smooth. 
She's also very smooth. Yeah, she used a little bit of reverse psychology on him because she oh, needs yeah, someone so to, to like do it to like negotiate with this guy so that he'll sign over his stuff to her. But she knows she can't do it, so she basically tells Southwaite to not not be at the house at a specific time, and he of course shows up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he works with her because he really does, you know, want want the thing to do well, and so she persuades about him. Um, and I thought that was really good. Another really excellent part of this book, which I really loved, is early in the book. Uh, and I'm going to read a bit from it in a second. But there is a, a character, um, Mr. Nightingale, who basically is the front man for the auction house. And he mm-hmm. um, leaves, and so she needs a sort of a new front man. Um, and so she starts, she needs someone who's like vaguely suave, who can like flirt with these old ladies. And so she puts out an ad. And Southwaite thinks it's for, uh, like, basically a sexual partner. And so they all have, like, rock-hard abs, and they're, like, super hot, and they sounds like they have, like, beautiful hair and stuff. And he walks into all of these, like, young dudes that are trying to vie for this spot. And then he goes in, and he, like, talks to her, and he's like, well, if you want someone to sleep with, basically, um, but he doesn't say it like that, then you should choose me. And then she's really offended, but it's one of those great misunderstandings. Yeah, it's called, in her head, she calls it the great misconception. Yeah. Which is hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, like, he basically, like, assumes that she wants a sexual partner, but she actually just wants a front man, which he eventually does uh, uh, when she convinces him. But actually, this will bring in our new, our new area, which is called Reader's Theater. <laughs> <clears throat> and I'm going to be reading first. This is uh, in the first part, which um, involves Mr. Nightingale, who proposes to um, Miss Fairborn, Emma Fairborn, uh, because he w- he basically wants the auction house. Um, and he's this, like, super smooth working man. And there's, like, there's, there's this uh, theory behind everything that he may or may not sleep with women that come in, and he may or may not flirt with guys <laughs> who are not of the heterosexual preference, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he's, like, super smooth. And she always talks about how he's, like, too good-looking. Like, he looks, like, weirdly fake in the mm-hmm. way that he's so good-looking. Okay, and this is how, he, how she kind of dresses him down. <clears throat> Mr. Nightingale, please, let us discuss this honestly, as if if we are to discuss this at all. First, we both know I am, I am not beautiful. Second, you and I held no secret sympathy. Indeed, we have rarely had informal conversation. Third, we have not you have not been subtle in communicating your feelings because you have entertained no such feelings to begin with. You almost choked on your words of love just now. You were you <laughs> began making a practical proposal and perhaps you should have continued on that track and not tried to convince me of your long secret love. In which in my head I'm like, burn <laughs> Yeah, and in reading this book again, I was thinking about how um possibly my love for this book is the fact that she is so fucking awesome. Like, she's so forthright and she's like, all right, I'm going to stop you right there. Like, he was saying stuff like, your beauty has, like, um, <laughs> inspired me to love you. And she's like, I'm going to stop you right there. Yeah. So awesome. And I was thinking about it while I was reading it. I was like, this dude, Darius himself, is like a side character to me. Like, <laughs> he is not as important as the fact that Miss Fairborn is awesome. 
And and it's funny because like, okay, so when you have <clears throat> misconce- misconceptions are hilarious and I love them. Mm-hmm. And but when you have like you have the klutz variety where it's like misconceptions because she just doesn't understand social cues. Mm-hmm. And at a point, you're kind of all right. So, are you like stupid? <laughs> like, is something wrong with you? Like, but no, Miss Fairborn is an extremely intelligent person, extremely capable. She just doesn't like all the weird ton shit that goes on, where it's like, um, you know, they say something and it means a completely different thing. Like she even comes up to her her friend Cassandra and she's like, "Is this is this something that you're saying that I'm supposed to understand from another thing? Like, mm-hmm. what are you saying? You know, <laughs> just tell me what it is." <laughs> so like, she's smart and she's capable and she's forthright, but she's like. Also, like, her weakness is that she can't understand innuendo. She can't understand innuendo. Yeah, she's not a very good flirt. And then, well, my problem with her later as a character is she's kind of inconsistent. Because, like, she knows, she must know that she should not, at night, go over to random dudes' houses. You know? Like, and then she just does. Like, I was like, come on. Like, you should Mm -hmm. know that you can't go over after the auction house... Uh, success and have a drink with a dude alone come on like people are gonna talk um so i thought that was kind of like kind of when i maybe she just doesn't care i mean certainly this this romance novel is somewhat unique from other romance novels and they get together about halfway through the book like all Mm -hmm. the way together like usually i was expect usually they get together and they're interrupted which happens a lot in romance novels um yeah but they're not actually interrupted. They like I, I I was really surprised because it was such a short passage. But they go like all the way, uh, and then I'm like, oh wait, what? Oh okay. yeah. I mean, for some reason, one of the things that I like about Madeline Hunter is that the men are actively seducing the women. They're not like, oh, I like you, but I don't like you, you know? Or Mm. like, oh, I like you, and I'm gonna give you some space. Like, they're like, no, you should have sex with me, (laughs) and I am going to specifically hound you to do it. Like, I don't know why that's refreshing to me, but it is. Like, it's somehow, like, better than, like, I can't remember the book that I was listening to that where he was like, I'm so into her, but I can't lead her down this uh, path of destruction. And then he like immediately had sex with her. What is wrong with you? Like, obviously you were, you were seducing him, but he, her, but in this book, he like specifically brings her to his house (laughs) and sets up a chaise lounge in the middle of this like highly romantic bedecked ballroom and is like you're really beautiful and it's like obviously what you're trying to do is seduce her like and then there's a point where she's like um if you stop saying such wonderful things, I would have been mad at you for seducing me. And it's like, yeah, he did seduce her. Yeah, that was I mean, his it's, plan. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty unambiguous that that this is a seduction, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and it's not like, it, it doesn't, I guess what the interesting that was refreshing is it doesn't apologize for male sexuality, right? Like, um, I guess I'd say that is like, he like he doesn't really have very much remorse for his behavior, right? Uh, yeah, no, he doesn't. 
Like, in this book, he definitely does not. Um, oh, sweet boy. Like, he just has some hard problems. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's one of those characters that is like, I'm super suave, and I'm totally not into things, and I can handle a sexual relationship. Oh, my God, I love her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's so into her. Well, because, like, the next morning, it's him that, like, proposes that they get married. Like, he's like, oh, yeah. well, I guess we're going to get married now. And she's like, yeah, about that. Yeah. I, I like her because of that, too. Like, and, yeah, and I but, like I him. Mean, I like that. But I also like the fact that she went over there. Like, she knew what was going to go on, right? And I wish she'd been a little bit more crafty about it. Because clearly, like, allowing herself to be seduced by this guy actually kind of helped her towards her ultimate goal which one she's like totally got it hard for this dude and she also wants more control of him because he owns half of her <laughs> auction house and i wanted her to just own that a little bit more like how mm-hmm. this is working out really well for emma fairboard like in the end know. she gets married to an earl which also i love the fact that um and this is something you see in romance novels a lot, which is one of my favorite tropes, which is which is the the uh, the trip to the rich dude's estate where you just go on a tour and you look at all of his beautiful shit that you're going to get when you get when you get married. Like that mm-hmm. happens all the time in romance novels. Yeah. Started with Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> Starting with Pride and Prejudice. Yeah. Since then. Yeah. And with Pemberley, where she walks around um, and just looks at all of his shit. I love that. Like when they're like, <laughs> like, oh, he's got freaking stallions. Oh, like, like it's basically like counting your money before you get it. You're like, oh, mm-hmm. I get all of this shit. Um, and I, I don't know. I I like that part. I, do. I like it because she shows vulnerability as well. Like, there's, I mean, like at the same time where she's like going to going to his house, and you know, like that's a terrible idea, of course. It was a really bad idea. <laughs> but like, she's feeling really fucking bad at that time. Like, she just found out that it's not just a smuggling thing; it's a treason thing, mm. and her brother is actually alive and is actually being held prisoner so she she's dealing with some shit like she's really dealing with stuff yeah but i don't think her him abducting her is helping her in that situation like at all he really gets me through the first half of the book i'm like he's nice like (laughs) he's fun like it's fun to like to battle with him verbally like that's that's a cool thing i love oh yeah the dialogue in this book is amazing speaking of which you had another part you wanted to read right oh yeah (laughs) um so this is actually um it's not um about the characters themselves the main characters it's about the characters from the side characters that become main characters two books down so so there's this french girl named um marielle who uh seems suspicious because you know she's an immigrant and she like says she's royalty but nobody really knows and um one of <laughs> one of darius's friends his name is Kendall, and he used to be in the army, and he wishes he was still in the army because he doesn't understand the real world <laughs> at all. <laughs> and so he's, like, still doing army shit. Like, he's, like, being a spy, and he's like, I think that woman is 
a spy and I'm going to follow her around. And then his friends, Darius and um, Ambery, are like, dude, like, you're so crazy. Calm down. (laughs) (laughs) But he doesn't. So Marielle is like wandering around and she she sees him all the time and she she calls him handsome stupid man (laughs) in her head and so like (laughs) she also like actively um challenges him because she knows he's he's following her so there's this part where he sees she sees him and they catch eyes and then she goes and emma is like there watching it and uh so they're like staring at each other and Kendall is glaring at her. And then um then Marielle's expression cracked and the sweetest expression molded her face. A slow smile transformed her even more. Fascinated Emma looked to see Kendall's reaction. His own severity cracked too. He flushed so deeply that Emma could see the tint from this distance. He turned and re-entered the building. Marielle gave her sack strings a final pull. I win. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, that's so amazing. (laughs) Their story, I love their story. (laughs) Because... Man, it's the the thing that that happens in romance all the time where it's like... There's these three dudes who are, like, different archetypes, you know? And so, like, Southwaite is the alpha male. He's very smooth. He's, like, um, he's very upright and secretly a ladies' man. And then there's Ambery, who's, like, kind of, like, the jokester. And he's, he's very witty. He's also a detective. He has, a, like, a hidden serious side. <laughs> and then there's Kendall, who's a soldier that, like doesn't understand the world like (laughs) he has giant he has black and white thinking and he doesn't understand women and it's just fascinating i love Mm, it mm. see he's like the male version of fair of miss fairborn Mm -hmm, which is great mm. yeah very focused the reason why i love this book is because not only the spencer thing one of the first things i love is the verbal dueling that goes on between southwaite and fairborn and i love that and that's that's something you see in jane austen that you see other romance novelists try to do and then you're like no this is not really working out but like this one yes like she wins sometimes he wins sometimes and you're like you guys are evenly matched you know and then there's like after that i really love the fact that she shows some real vulnerability even though she's this very forthright and composed and efficient person like there's that part in the scene in the garden where he like walks in and she's visibly distraught like her body is tense and she's staring really angrily you know and really concerned and he wants to comfort her and he wants to take care of her but he can't do it because she's nothing to him you know and that's I love that part. I love how he like his heart goes out to her and he just wants to take care of her. Mm. And uh. I also love she's very in control of her emotions and her reasoning. Like she understands the difference between the two. I don't know if I'd agree that she's in control of her emotions or her reasoning because whenever she's around Southright, she 
often loses simply because he kisses her, which is like dumb, right? Like, like it's like that as a lady, she can't control her nether parts enough to like have a conversation. So I don't know if she's if that's true, but I mean, continue. Maybe not so much control, but also but very aware of what's going on. Like she notices her weaknesses and she's upset by them like and i love the part where where he thinks to himself so i can't beat her by like arguing but i can beat her by seduction (laughs) which is like he's fine with using but she never uses back which i found to be kind of boring she's always just trying to disentangle herself from him um Mm -hmm. the whole book like she keeps she break up with him at least three or four times which, like, makes this whole thing super creepy that he keeps pursuing her because the one thing she said is, like, I don't want a relationship with you. Ah, gross. I think that's gross, Wendy. I know that you're, like, you like he just wants to take care of her or whatever, but it was gross that he kept pursuing her. Yeah, I don't know why this doesn't bother me. <laughs> I know, that happens quite a bit in, in, in romance novels, right? Where you're, like, you're, like, oh. I don't, yeah. Yeah, also... Madeline Hunter. The one thing that I don't like from Madeline Hunter is the Dukes. You know how, like, in romance novels, there's usually four archetypes that all went to, I don't know, Eaton together or whatever, and um, they all find girlfriends. And then the last one is the alpha male, like the alpha male plus. Mm-hmm. Southwaite has problems with consent in the in the beginning you know like mm-hmm. he's actively pursuing but when you get to the duke who's alpha plus you're just like no like you are way too extra you need to calm down but i've noticed that in like she has a couple of of series where it's just mini series of four different archetypes or five different archetypes and every single one that ends with the duke i'm like i hate this book i hate this book so much so I guess, you know, that scale of assholeness, it tips that point where I'm like, yeah, I, I'm not into it. Anything else you'd like to say about this book, Wendy? I love it. <laughs> uh, I won't recommend it to anyone, okay? Uh, I know, she's tried so hard to persuade me. And I mean, I did, like, I liked it up until a point. And I just, like, the usually I like sea battles and intrigues, but I just... Maybe it's because I haven't read the rest of the series, so I didn't really know what was going on, and it just seemed like border vigilantes a little bit to me, and I was, like, grossed out. Also, they torture a bunch of people, and I'm like, ah, gross, like, stop, please stop torturing people. This is the first book in the series, so... Okay. You're good. (laughs) All right. Well, because it seemed like maybe there was a story with um, Kendall, but maybe we get that story later, so... It later uh. and it's so cute <laughs> <laughs> I, I just love how she giggled at that like she's so cute <laughs> it is so cute he has such a hard time such a, the best part is that he like so he was a general in the napoleonic wars and then he like he was the second son and then he became the heir because his first his older brother died and then he had to stop being in the army and then he just like took all of his legion with him and like created a barracks in his house and and the government is like dude 
you can't have a private army. And he was like, I'm not having a private army. These are just my servants. It's fine. <laughs> just a fig. No private army here. <laughs> I love it so much. Oh, man. That's called the counterfeit mistress. It's good. <laughs> I'm not recommending it. But it's good. This is like, this is the story of Wendy. Is she's not recommending anything ever again. Never again. Never again. Any other books that you want to talk about that you're reading, Wendy? I read Noble Intentions and it was not good. And okay, so it was all right. It was like a two on that scale that I mentioned. She was like extremely klutzy and she had a lot of sidekicks. Like there was a giant train behind her whenever Mm. she went anywhere. (laughs) But the part that tipped me over is like the fact that the villain is a sadist and that in itself was the reason why he was a villain and I was like dude no this is 2018 BDSM is not a reason for villainy you have to have something else going on here yeah yeah the book we read last time his precious cargo does a good job of that in that the villain one of the villains is a sadist but He's using sadism incorrectly, and they kind of draw the line. It's that, like, he is at a sadism club, but that's not the only thing. It's like how if in in books, like, from the 80s and 70s, uh, someone's a villain just because they're gay, and they're pursuing people. That's not okay. Yeah, they're pursuing people, and they're gay. I mean, that's honestly... A little bit of what's happening in the original Outlander book with yes. some other stuff. I'm not saying Diane Gabadon has gotten a lot better and she has an entire really excellent, uh, I haven't read all of them, but really excellent side series about a gay character. But she's, you know, Outlander is a product of its time. And one of the characters is very, you know, is pursuing the main hero and is gay basically. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they kind of also, there's like consent issues in that too. Yeah. I read That They May Face the Rising Sun by Joan McGavern, which is a book in which it's about a small Irish town on the lake in which very little happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just, it's a year on the lake and it's delightfully boring and I loved it for its delightful boringness. <laughs> I I mean I liked it. I didn't love it. But so I I don't know how I found out about that book. It's a it's an Irish book. Um Isn't that your book club book? Yeah, I think it was a book club book for um my my one I do with my friend Ariel and my husband Matt. I I liked it. My two other people in the book club did not like it and it was my pick. So but there you go. I It's but, good that you liked it. I hate when I pick a book and I'm like, oh, I hated yeah, this book. Yeah, you're like, I'm sorry, everyone. It was not very good. <laughs> um, speak, speaking of books I picked, I picked the book, which I have not read, for next uh, month, in which we are going back to vampires, back yes. to the vamps. Um, and uh, we're reading First Grave on the Right by Darlinda Jones. And I'm just going to look up the description. Charlie Davidson is a part-time private investigator and full-time Grim Reaper. Oh, sorry, I'm wrong. It's not uh, vampires. It's it's Grim Reaper. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, but yeah, it's similar world. We're going back to urban fantasy, I guess I can say. Meaning she sees dead people, really, and it's her job to convince them to go into the light. And when these very dead people have died under less than ideal circumstances like murder, sometimes they want Charlie to bring the bad guys to justice. Complicated matters are the intense hot dreams she's been having about an entity that's been following her all her life, and it is someone turns out who someone might not be dead after all. In fact, he might be something else entirely. But what does he want from 
Charlie, and why can't she seem to resist him? And what did she lose by giving in? With scorching hot tension and high, yeah. and high octane humor, it's your signpost to paranormal sus- suspense of the highest order. So, kind of not technically vampires, I would say, but in the same realm as paranormal fantasy. I mean, he might be a vampire. He might be a vampire, basically. He's not, he's not not dead. He's not not, okay. Mm-mm. And I have, we have two special guests. Both my sisters are going to be on. <laughs> I'm excited. My older sister, Susanna, and my little sister, Naomi, are both going to be in Lafayette, Indiana. What riches I have, people that visit me in Lafayette, Indiana, because <laughs> uh, Wendy just visited as well. And I have forced them, I've given them homework for when they're going to be here, <laughs> because that's the sort of middle child I am, <laughs> is I have that given them homework. very like you, actually. Yeah, I'm like, hey guys, so just a reminder, you need to read this book before you come. <laughs> Do you think they're all going to read it? I well we'll see. I'm I'm pretty <laughs> sure Naomi Naomi reads a lot of books and I think she'll get it done. Oh, mm-hmm. and I should say um if she can if she can finish it as well. Susanna's wife Megan may also be joining us. So, cuz she's also Sweet. visiting. I think that probably Megan and Naomi will read it. We'll see about Susanna. I don't think she's ever <laughs> read a romance novel. Oh my god. And so I imagine that this is going to be, this is my impression of of my older sister, Susanna. She's going to be like, what? You read this stuff all the time? What? It's going to be like like the time when she heard I'd I'd seen the L word. She's like, what? You've seen the L word? What? People have sex on that. People have sex. Basically, my older sister's idea, like, we are all too young for any of that. Even though I'm 31 and my little sister, I think, is 27. But she's still sure that we, you know. She also, like, she tells this funny story of when she first met Matt and she just was like, you know, he seems like a really nice guy, but I just, I just really want to punch him. I just really want to punch him. (laughs) (laughs) And she, and and Matt tells the story like, he's like, she seems really nice, but I think she was going to beat me up. Like, I was pretty sure. That's great. That's going to be kind of, kind of a fun pairing. And my wild card is, it's Megan. And who who knows what she, she's going to be like. We'll see. Um, I haven't really discussed it very much with her. Uh, I love making people who've never read romance read romance. Because <laughs> it, is, it is exactly not what you think it will be. And <laughs> almost kind of exactly what you think it will be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it's at, at once like deeply disappointing. Well, much and at the same time, way better than you imagine it will be. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, like I, I, and it's funny watching people like respond to the like they don't know how they're supposed to respond to this because they're never <laughs> they're never exactly that good, right? Like, <laughs> no. like they're lady porn. So, which will be fun to have my sister and her wife because they are both lesbians. So, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of dick talk. There, in romance. There's a there's a lot of a lot of penetrative sex in in the romance novels <laughs> we read. I should say um, there are lots of romance novels like touch. Well, to some point, touching the velvet. Oh yeah. Uh, I I read something like called Sword Something that was a gay romance. 
There's stuff out oh, yeah. there. It's just, you know, we should experience that sometime. Yeah, we should have actually read a lesbian one, but I think my that would have taken my sister over the edge, Susanna. Oh my god. If we read gay, she'd just lose it. She'd just lose it. <laughs> I hope she listens to this, because game on, Susanna. Game on. If you, if you think that I'm not describing how you will respond. When did she leave for college? And what age were you? Susanna is, I think, uh, two years older than I am. I think maybe only like 18 months older than I am. So she left for college when I, like we, I think we overlapped my freshman year at her senior year. Um, Yeah. And then when I was a sophomore, I have this great, and she went to college at University of Oregon. Um. And uh, on a, um, she went there to play, so- well, t- to get a degree, but also to play softball. And I have this great memory of sitting on the side of the field at one of the University of Oregon softball fields in like my big trench coat, reading the feminine mystique. <laughs> <laughs> That's a ridiculous thing to read. <laughs> I know. Like when I think back, I'm like, I'm pretty sure I was reading the feminine mystique. On the side of a softball field, not paying attention to my sister play softball. As the youngest sister, I feel like your older sisters think of you as the person you were when they left for college. Uh. Like, so they peaced out and they were like, okay, so you're 16 and that's the person you are. (laughs) (laughs) That's, That's possible. I could see that. Uh, yeah, because I definitely see my little sister as the person that she was when I left for college, which I she was, I think, in seventh or eighth grade when I left for college. But we hung out a lot. Like, I would come home from college and we watch movies. Like, she would call me up and be like, when are you coming home? And if we can, like, birth order this up. But yeah, so both me and my older sister are both middle children because I have an older brother who is not on the podcast. But Naomi is very much, like, the youngest and is also, like, secretly the one in charge and who makes the deal that oh yeah that make things happen quite a bit yeah that makes sense and she's the one that everyone agrees with in all situations Um, i am the baby of the family so i know how that is yeah yeah like you have you have like a a superpower to like everyone generally is cool with you being in charge (laughs) (laughs) and i'm not in charge because i don't like that yeah but it's kind of like not necessarily like you're the leader but you're the gateway like you you let things happen or you don't let things happen yeah yeah like you're not necessarily the one in charge but you're the one that actually you're the person that gets everyone together on things yeah so uh we'll see this in action and then it'll also be you know uh, megan comes from an entirely different background uh if this crew (laughs) thank you for listening to getting lit available monthly on itunes if you want to learn more about our love of romance novels you can visit gwenwendy.com that's gwenwendy.com you can follow alana on twitter at librarian alana what's the best type of romance novel wendy the trashy kind alana Vienna Lana's podcast. Wendy and Alana's podcast. Get little red, get little What's the best type of romance novel, Wendy? The trashy kind, Wendy. <laughs> <laughs> That's one for the bloopers right there. <laughs> All right. Do you want to try it again? Oh, I'm so drunk. <laughs> Oh, that's so good.
Um, okay, go in. 